Welcome to CareCast, CareNet's podcast on family, faith, and life with me, Vincent DiCaro, CareNet's Chief Outreach Officer, and Roland Warren, CareNet's President and CEO. In this episode of CareCast, Roland and I will discuss the pro-choice perspective as reflected in a recent debate with abortionist Willie Parker that abortion is compassionate and how we as pro-abundant life people can respond. So Roland, as you know, there was a recent debate where uh, pro-life philosopher and professor Dr. Mike Adams uh, squared off against Dr. Willie Par- Parker, mm-hmm. who is a prominent abortion doctor. Um, and, you know, the, the one of the observations that we made about this debate, it was a l- right. very long debate, and we certainly can't talk about everything that was talked about in the debate. Right, right. But or one debate of the, the debate. Yeah, we can, we're not here to debate deb- the debate. Uh, that's hard to say. Say that ten times fast. Um, no. <laughs> you refi- we, we have precious time here on this podcast. We can't that's waste right. it doing that yeah. sort of thing. So, yeah. Uh, so he's a prominent, Dr. Willie Parker is a prominent abortion doctor. And one of the themes that we really saw emerge out of this debate was that the crux of Parker's argument in favor of abortion, uh, that it's actually compassionate care right. for his patients. Yeah. Um, and the and really the crux of his argument was uh, was around that. And interestingly enough, he immediately conceded the point to the pro-life debater right. that it is a human life. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And he, so yeah. They, he didn't even want to argue that at all. He said, yep, it, absolutely, it's a human life. Yeah, yeah, it really is kind of an interesting thing. I mean, he did pivot to say, well, it's a, it's a human life, but it's not a person. And he kind of went into that right. area, which is yeah. which is interesting uh, right. for him to go that way. I mean, he's yeah. he's a black guy. I'm a black guy. Uh-huh. And I don't know. There was a time when we were considered three-fifths of a person. So right. yes. it seemed to me that— So personhood would be you know, an that's interesting— kind of a difficult— uh, yeah, debate tactic to take. Because you can be what, a human life and not a person. Yeah, and yeah. how helpful was that? Right, right, right. From right. my standpoint, in our, in our history, that's caused a lot of problems. Caused a lot of problems, and and the, and the real challenge with that is it has to do with the fact that that who determines whether you are in fact a, a person? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's someone who's in a position of power. Right, and right. folks in power too often. Yeah. Uh, use that power to exploit the vulnerable. Yes, absolutely. So I don't think even that argument, from my standpoint, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was a dangerous one to even kind of go down because if you really think about that, right. you really I don't think you want to disaggregate personhood from human being because mm-hmm. there have been folks who've done that and uh, it has not ended well, yeah. particularly for folks who are vulnerable. And absolutely. certainly in, in this yeah. particular case, yeah. in terms of his position, yeah. uh, it actually ends up th- pretty much the same way it did for black folk, mm-hmm. which is that you're less of a person, which means that you're not really right, and therefore you can be enslaved and killed, whatever. Yeah. Exactly, you dehumanize. So all so, that stuff happens. Anyway, so there was yeah. that. There was there that. Was that. There but, was that. That's the, probably another podcast. <laughs> it's a whole other podcast. Yes, but for, for this is the, this is a podcast nestled inside <laughs> of another podcast. Is what we just did. We just did that. We're so clever. That's right. We we didn't even plan that. No, that's, that how, just, that's how smart we folks, are. Folks, you're seeing you're seeing how it's done right here. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Go ahead or at least hearing how it's done. Hopefully oh, they can't. Not. Hopefully they can't see us. That's but, right. Because that would be embarrassing. And your shirt's ugly. Yeah, yeah. It is a pretty <laughs> ugly shirt. Yeah, you could have a picnic on my shirt. It's, <laughs> it looks like a tablecloth. It does. Uh, it's, I'll yeah. wipe my mouth with it. Or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, I am Italian. It looks like you know the Italian restaurants, the tablecloths they put you know on the it tables. Does. Yeah, sort right. of. So I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did anyway. way too much fun. All right. So what were we talking about? So we were talking about how Willie Parker yes. uh, was, I think. Um, Symbolic of a shift that we've seen yes. in the broader pro-choice movement, yes. which is it, which is to no longer argue about whether or not the the fetus is a human life, right. or whether or not abortion takes a human life, right. but whether or not abortion is compassionate. Yeah, yeah, right. 
And yeah. so his whole thing was, this is, I am being compassionate to the women who need me. Essentially, her life is more important than the life of the fetus. Yes. And and from my standpoint, it, it you know, the way that he gets there uh, obviously is by focusing on, on the person that you can see. Uh, and, right. and, and that really is problematic because he, he because if you're conceding that there are two persons here, mm-hmm. so to speak, or two lives here, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then you say, well, then how do I determine, given that there are two lives here, how do I determine how I apportion compassion? Right. Well, how do we normally determine how we apportion compassion? And it's one of the things I talk about, mm-hmm. as you know, Vince, quite often, compassion pairing. Mm-hmm. And we, yep. we, we kind of determine compassion. We use like three variables. We use power, vulnerability, and then we determine how we apportion compassion based on that. So we, we kind of look at two folks and we say, well, who's the most powerful? Right, right. Then we say, who's the most vulnerable? And then what we do is we apportion compassion towards the one that we feel is the most vulnerable. That's what we do. Absolutely. I always tell people, like, if you see a 25-year-old guy and an 85-year-old woman, they're carrying their groceries, they both groceries, they both drop it in the street at exactly the same moment. Who do you help? I don't mm-hmm. care whether you're pro-choice or pro-life. Yeah, you're people, probably going to help the, 20, the, the 80, 85-year-old woman. Yeah. Why? Because you don't like 25-year-old guys? No. Mm-hmm. But because you just really quickly did a, a compassion pairing. You said, who's the more powerful? Who's the more vulnerable? And you apportion your compassion right. to the more vulnerable. Right. Well, using that perspective, which is how he does it, I'm sure, in every other situation, if you're conceding that it is actually a life and you've got two mm-hmm. lives here mm-hmm. 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 and you compare, do the compassion pairing between the woman mm-hmm. and the child, mm-hmm. who's the more powerful? The woman. Who's mm-hmm. the more vulnerable? The child. Therefore, you should apportion more compassion mm-hmm towards the child, mm-hmm. which means that you wouldn't abort the child. Mm-hmm. Do you see? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and of course, you could say, well, well, I, I don't believe that the woman's the more powerful. I believe the child's more powerful mm-hmm. because the, the child has the ability to change her life or mm-hmm. right, right, right. that kind of perspective. But then you say, well, wait a minute. Who has the most power? The person who's able to change someone's life mm-hmm. or the person who's able to end someone's life? Right. Without any punishment. Without any punishment. Yeah. Well, clearly the one who can end someone's life. Mm-hmm. And in fact, mm-hmm. the whole pro-choice movement is built on an empowerment argument. My body, my choice mm-hmm. is a power statement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My body, my choice is a power statement. So you're actually making the point, the very movement saying, I am the more powerful. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the child is instantly the more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so from my standpoint, the compassion mm-hmm. argument mm-hmm. Uh, is, is a difficult one for them to make. But we've got to be skilled enough when we mm-hmm. hear that yeah, yeah. in order to make this comparison yeah. in the right way. Right, exactly. And that's sort of where we kind of wanted to go in the, in this podcast yeah. is, is to talk about how uh, the pro-life movement needs to be better prepared yeah. to basically make this compassion argument and to really take that argument head on. And, you know, so in other words, you know, if the pro-choice folks want to argue about compassion, all right, we're ready. We're ready to argue with you about Absolutely. what's more compassionate. Um, again, you know, the analogy that we used earlier uh, when we were just kind of talking about, chatting about this is, you know, in, in the old Charlie Brown cartoons yeah, yeah. where, you know, Lucy would always hold the football. I mean, Charlie Brown. Yeah, Lucy, right, yeah, right. Lucy would yep. hold, yeah, she would hold the football yeah. for Charlie Brown to kick it, and Charlie yeah. Brown would always run and try to kick the football, and she would move the football, and Charlie Brown would go flying up into the air and crash yeah. onto the ground. And in a lot of ways, the pro-choice movement has been doing that to the pro-life movement. Yeah. They keep moving the football yes. and making a different argument about why they're in favor of abortion. Yep. And unfortunately, a lot of pro-life people are kind of falling into that trap and yep. kind of playing that game, and we keep on missing the football. Yep. So continually making this argument around the the, the reality of the 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 truth about the life of the unborn child inside the womb is obviously a good argument to make. It is, it is true. It's right. Yes. It is all of those things, but it's not necessarily where the argument really is right now. You're not going to kick the football with that one. Yeah. So it's not the end. Mm-hmm. It's just the end of the beginning. Right. And the, and as we were talking about, the way that you kind of get out of that scenario, like the Charlie Brown Lucy thing, is you decide 
we're not going to play that game. Yeah. <laughs> we're not playing your game anymore. We're going to set up our own game. That's and right. And you come play our game. Exactly. And if the game is compassion, we're going to show you how compassionate we truly are. True right. compassion. And, and, and using, by yeah. the way, the way that you actually think about compassion. Right. Yeah. So we're not creating a new standard for compassion. We're using the actual standard for compassion. Mm-hmm. But what we're doing is you helping them understand that basically they're not apportioning compassion properly. And that's why, you know, when I get in debates with, with folks who are pro-choice, I never try to go down a path that they don't care about people or they're, mm-hmm. you know, this. I don't believe that's it at all. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the issue is that they're not apportioning compassion in this particular area the way that they do in every other area when they're talking about compassion. Mm-hmm. And what I'm trying to get them to do is say, no, you need to have a consistent world view because when you don't do that, then you end up actually taking advantage of, of the mm-hmm. vulnerable yeah. in that way. And I think the other mm-hmm. basic point here, mm-hmm. um, which kind of leads to even how, how they got here, they the shift really started to happen around this whole notion about it's a life, mm-hmm. it, that we're, we're fine with it's a life. I remember when I first started with CareNet and, uh, in 2012, and shortly thereafter, it's an article uh, that was written uh, in Salon, uh, on the Salon uh, website, website yeah. right? And it was by Mary Elizabeth Williams. And she made, the title of the article was, So What If Abortion Ends Life? Mm-hmm. And you would have thought, well, wow, okay. And mm-hmm. she walks through how abortion ends life, and it's very clear. Right. And she yeah. essentially sort of making an argument that if you're a pro-choice person and trying to say that, that the fetus is no longer alive, you're like a flat earther. Mm-hmm. I mean, you sound silly yeah, yeah, <laughs> with yeah. the technology and everything. And you would think, okay, great. So she's going to move in the right direction, but she doesn't. She ends the article and she says, you know, I will put the life of the mother over the life of the fetus every single time, mm-hmm. all the while acknowledging that the life, that the fetus is indeed a life, a life worth sacrificing. Right, exactly. Yep. Now that, to me, I, I just, wow. Yeah. That's how she ends her article. Mm-hmm. So she concedes, which which mm-hmm. Parker does. Mm-hmm. It's a life. But she's saying it's a life worth sacrificing. Mm-hmm. And I think the most dangerous part of that whole perspective is, is that if you, if you, you know, if you just switch out the words and you take out the, the word woman and you take out the word fetus and you replace it with, say, some other words, like I would put the life of a slave old owner over the life of a slave, mm-hmm. all the while acknowledging that a slave is indeed a life, a life worth sacrificing. Right. A, a, a baby boy versus a baby girl in China. Mm-hmm. Right, a, right, right, right. An able-bodied person versus a handicapped person. Mm-hmm. What you find is that the worldview that's reflected in her final statement is the worldview, right, that the most heinous crimes, crimes yeah. against humanity all would absolutely agree. Yes. Absolutely agree. Yeah. yeah Why? Yeah, yeah. Because what they're, what you're doing in that particular situation mm-hmm. is that you're misapportioning and compassion, so to speak, mm-hmm. and you're using power, vulnerability, and compassion, mm-hmm. and you're saying who's the more powerful, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Totally. And you're saying who's the more vulnerable, and what yeah. you're basically saying is I'm going to have more compassion for the person who's the more powerful, which in the case, if I'm yeah. a dictator or right. a despot, that would be me. Yeah, yeah. Despot. That's good. That's out of my history that's classes. Right. Yeah, I like yeah. That. And, yeah. And, and, and whereas, and that would be someone more about. So right. it's it's a worldview yeah, that, it, so. that is very, very dangerous. Yeah, and, and if you, and on the other yeah. side of that coin, I mean, if you look at all the, the greatest good that has been done in the history of the world by, you know, the Mother Teresas of the world, so yes. to speak, they, they would they would absolutely not agree in any way, shape, or form with that worldview. In fact, their worldview would be the complete opposite, yes. that there are vulnerable, pe- vulnerable people in this world, and they're the ones who we need to be loving and paying attention to and helping. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, it really is the very opposite of a—I mean, I mean, you could really look at any 
philosophical system and that pro-choice philosophy around a life worth sacrificing really doesn't kind of work in any of those, I suppose, other than utilitarianism, I I guess. Well, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah, which is is obviously very problematic on a lot of levels. Yes. Um, And, you know, the final point we'll make here just as as a final practical matter is, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and now wondering, okay, great, so I want to make that compassion argument. Uh, to somebody who's pro-choice and is and is arguing that abortion is compassion. Well, fortunately, CareNet is sort of, in, in a lot of ways, ground zero or exhibit A in terms yeah. of what compassion looks like around the, on the pro-life end of things, right? Yes, yes. In terms of the work that our pregnancy centers do, we have 1,100 affiliated pregnancy centers around the country yeah. uh, that offered, I think, over $63 million in free services to women, men, children, and families last year alone. Yep, just um, amazing work. Doing just amazing work on the front lines, Really serving communities, helping, helping families, helping helping families become stronger, um, forming families, and uh, and just helping people with you know practical and material needs as well. And so that's that's what compa- that's where you can start in terms of what compassion actually yep. really looks like in this debate. So a- absolutely, yeah. And we're, and we're really good at that. And we are very good at that. And we have there's all kinds of data and graphics and articles on our website that can help you make a good argument around that. Yeah, let's uh, let them come kick our football. Yes, yeah, we're going to we're going to start holding the football. That's and we, good. And we won't move it. We will not move it cuz we'll, we, yeah. Exactly. We want them to kick that football yeah. and see and see them miss the field goal to <laughs> carry this analogy as far as we no, possibly we, we can. Want them, we want them to kick it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So So there you go. Okay, great. That was a good word round. Good word indeed. We hope you enjoyed our discussion about how pro-abundant life people can respond to the pro-choice argument that abortion is compassion. In next week's episode, Rollin and I will discuss what new laws allowing late-term abortions and politicians defending infanticide mean for the pro-life movement and how we, as pro-abundant life people, can respond.